This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Between 2008 and 2015, more than 300 sports-related deaths of young athletes occurred in the United States. Over three-fourths of sudden deaths in American youth sports are related to a cardiac cause. The majority of these occur in males in their young teens. Because of this, a pre-participation sports physical exam is now required by many schools. We'll be discussing the pre-participation sports exams and their benefits with Dr. Daniel Montero, a family medicine physician and sports medicine specialist at Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, what are the prime? This these things sound like a great idea. What what are the primary goals of doing a pre-participation sports exam? Well, the main goal for the pre-participation exam is really to maximize the athlete's health and to make sure that there's safe participation in sports. A lot of people think it's something to exclude them from playing, but it's actually the opposite. We want to include, and we just want to make it safely done for all the athletes involved. Now, are these required for all athletes? Is it a state requirement uh, or, or just a school requirement? I would say all of the above. I think if you look across, uh, every single state has some sort of requirement for clearance. Sometimes it's an insurance issue, but it is a requirement across the board, as far as I know, for every single state. Okay. As I was looking into researching this, um, I thought about all the conditions that you might look for, and I realized, who can do these exams? Can any healthcare provider? Because I'm not sure I would know the right questions to ask. That's a great question, and that is one that varies from state to state. Historically, they're physicians, but in many states, you can also have a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant, and I think even chiropractors in some places can clear student athletes for participation. Okay. I assume this is a combination of a history, medical history, and a physical exam. What questions regarding family history might be included? That's a great question because that's one of the more important aspects of this uh, uh, participation exam. A lot of the family history questions really center around cardiac issues or sudden death issues. Mm-hmm. Sudden death, such as a drowning or car accident, could be related to an unknown cardiac disease. So uh, anyone that's had a family member die unexplained under age 35 is a potential red flag. That is one of the screening questions. And then there are a lot of specific heart questions in general. Does anyone have a pacemaker or a defibrillator? Has anyone had a heart attack or heart issues? Those are all the screening things we need to know uh, because that can help us, again, figure out, is this particular athlete at risk for a a cardiac event? I see. I imagine that you would want some lead time for doing these. You wouldn't want to do it, you know, the week before they're to participate in a sport in case you find something and need further evaluation. So is there an optimal time these exams should be performed? Ideally, these exams need to be done at least six weeks before the first practice of that particular season. As you can imagine, it can take time to get in, see a specialist. So if there is an abnormality picked up, 
getting these student athletes back to the physicians or the specialists in the community can take time. So six weeks is the recommended time, minimum time, to do these exams. So if there is something that needs further workup, we've got time to get them to those specialists and get the information back to uh, those that need it, the school and the primary care physician. Mm-hmm. Okay. What kind of research is behind this? Is Have pre-participation sports exams been actually shown to reduce morbidity and mortality of the student-athletes? You know, surprisingly not. You would think that it would, but to date, I'm unaware of any studies showing that they have actually reduced morbidity or mortality. From a common-sense standpoint, we do know we are picking up, at times, life-threatening diseases. Whether they would have been picked up in their regular exams prior to this, uh, unfortunately, hasn't bared out in, in research, but Again, remember the goal is to maximize the student's health and state participation in sports. So um, whether or not it's truly reducing morbidity and mortality, uh, we still feel it's a positive Mm -hmm. for the athletes. Is it known how often one of these exams will pick up a health condition that um, maybe denies participation in a sport activity? Well, overall, the studies show about 1% of Students that go through these exams are denied participation for various reasons. But anywhere the research has shown from 3% to 13% uh, have to go for further evaluation and workup before fully cleared. Mm-hmm. What kind of things are you finding when you do these? Well, it's broken up into several different parts. You know, The history is important because we're looking for medical conditions they may have, such as asthma um, uh, or a bleeding disorder. or or symptoms per se, and and then we're looking for any type of physical problem that may predispose them to an injury on the field or in their sport of choice. So uh, we will find at times uh, problems with vision that may not have been picked up before. We'll find uh, children that probably have asthma because they're answering positive questions on the screening uh, questions about, you know, cough and things of that nature. So, or we'll more so, they may have the diagnosis, but they're not optimally treated, so these are still risk factors for problems on the field. So looking for a new diagnosis, looking for a diagnosis that are existing but may not be optimally controlled, such as asthma, uh, are some important aspects of the screen. What are the common conditions that often result in additional tests or additional consultations? I think the biggest one we always worry about is that undiagnosed heart issue. Mm-hmm. So when we see the screening questions answered yes for dizziness with exercise or passes out with exercise, shortness of breath, uh, skipped heartbeats, racing heart, all these things that could be potentially cardiac-related or lung-related, those always require further evaluation. Now, sometimes it's a simple question uh, and answer with the student right then and there. But as those secondary questions confirm an ongoing issue or this is new, uh, that can certainly lead to potential further workup. I can imagine uh, that some of the young athletes may not have, have a lot of answers to medical questions. So who provides the medical history? Should it be the student or should it be one of their parents? That's a great question. And ideally, it should be both. Unfortunately, when we have some of the younger participants come through, studies show that only about 40% of parents are helping fill out these uh, forms. And really, they're, they're the ones that are going to know the family history 
a lot better than a junior high or high school student in general. So ideally, you want the parents to, to fill this out with the help of the student. Now, obviously, the student knows the symptoms they may be having. The parent may not. Sometimes that's also an eye-opener for the parents. I didn't know my child was having trouble with coughing and, and shortness of breath or dizziness. They didn't tell me. So it is ideally to have them both review and fill out the forms. Mm-hmm. When when one of these sports youth uh, has sudden death, you know, that makes the news and everybody's somewhat shocked. Uh, I, I'm suspecting that those are almost all cardiac. Uh, what kind of cardiac conditions are being looked for? So I think most common is uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Mm-hmm. I believe there's about one in 500 carrier um, with that. So if you're doing massive screenings and you see a thousand kids come through uh, that facility, you know, technically speaking, you may have one or two that are there. Uh, that's the one that you hear most about. There can be anomalous coronary arteries involved. You can have uh, arrhythmias uh, as well. That can be um, issues mm-hmm. with sudden cardiac death. Sometimes there are things that you can't prevent, like commotion cortis, where they get a uh, trauma to the chest, and it throws them in an arrhythmia. Sure, yeah. We can't screen for that per se, but that's more of the um, something that trainers and uh, sports med people have to be aware of when they have a uh, an athlete down on the field. Mm-hmm. And how about musculoskeletal conditions? What do you look for there? Well, that's a great question as well, because again, you're not always going to make the diagnosis in these screening exams. But what you're looking for are risk factors. So if they've got general laxity that might put them in more risk for some uh, tendonitis issue. If they've got weakness on an extremity, uh, that's further question that needs to be had. Was there an injury there before? Why is this weak? Why is there atrophy? Why is there asymmetry? If they've got poor flexibility, a tight hamstring, that's something that can set them up for back pain or other uh, injuries of the lower extremities. So uh, the screening exam can help us look for these things very quickly uh, and very efficiently. Uh, for things that might set them up for future injuries. Mm-hmm. How about Marfan syndrome? Is that important to look for? Absolutely, because um, it does occur, and there are some stigmata that uh, uh, not all of the means someone has Marfan's, but you can look for things such as kyphoscoliosis. You look for that curvature in the spine, a high-arched palate. Now, that requires you to look in, get a light, and uh, look inside the mouth, which you should be doing anyways, is make sure they have good dentition, especially in a collision sport where they may wear a mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they've got the pectus excavatum, that caving in of the chest, uh, that could be a potential red flag or an association. And then I'm looking for a tall, thin person whose arm span is longer than their height. Uh, if you start having three, four, five of these uh, uh, signs, uh, then you need to start thinking, could this person have uh, Marfan syndrome? Mm-hmm. The other thing is looking for the, arachno, the arachnodactyly. So they've got long fingers, so there's something called a wrist sign or walker sign. So having them place their thumb and pinky finger around the wrist, if you do it right now, you'll see it, it doesn't really wrap all the way around. You see long fingers go over, that is a red flag for uh, potential Marfan syndrome. And these can be easily screened. I mean, these are eyeball tests that you can do very quickly. Uh, but if they start adding up, you need to start thinking more and more. Sure. Well, you know, testing for IHSS, you know, a murmur that may be present with them standing or sitting but not lying down or some of the conditions for Marfan's, 
Is there some guidance with these exams? Do they come in with a list of recommendations for the exam or questions? Because I'm not sure that the average uh, healthcare provider would know to uh, specifically check for those things. The great thing is most of the pre-participation forms by the state have these questions on there. Okay. So it's always best, I believe, to do it in your office where you have some private time privacy, you can ask questions with and without the parents in the room. When you're doing mass screenings, it's helpful that you have each different section uh, broken up uh, and, and people in charge. And, and one of them is a history section where anyone that checks yes, you need to mark that with a highlighter or put a sticker on there to highlight the next provider or the one that's doing the final screening. Hey, they answered yes to this question. They need a little more information. Mm-hmm. So if anything in that part history or family history is a positive, that requires multiple follow-up questions. Okay. Now, if someone has a murmur or talks about dizziness and you go back and all of a sudden you see a bunch of these positive questions on there uh, or positive answers on their questionnaire, uh, that ups the ante in terms of they may need further evaluation. Mm-hmm. care for athletes and other active patients? Engage with sports medicine experts November 8th and 9th, 2019 at the Mayo Clinic Symposium on Sports Medicine. Participate in cutting-edge diagnostic and treatment strategies through live demonstrations and expert case presentations. To learn more, visit ce.mayo.edu slash sportsmedicine2019. So what kind of potential recommendations regarding clearance for participation in an activity might be given to the students? Fortunately, the overall majority are going to be cleared and, and cleared without uh, further uh, workup. But sometimes you may find something like uh, their ads may not be uh, well controlled. So you can put a conditional uh, clearance or medically eligible but needs further re- evaluation of uh, or medically eligible for certain sports can't do X, Y, and Z because of a current issue. So the recommendations really fall around, are they cleared or are they not? If they're cleared, do we have stipulations per se, or are they tentatively clear, but we really need to follow up uh, for, say, an elevated blood pressure? Mm-hmm. So your most common findings, abnormal findings with this really are vision problems and elevated blood pressure. And vision can certainly be important, especially with a contact sport. Baseball, lacrosse, you need to be able to see well or see your opponent. And it can also affect performance. And when it comes to blood pressure, that's another one where, well, what do I do with this blood pressure? Generally speaking, they can be cleared. They just need further evaluation and follow-up. And it's not uncommon, especially if you're doing mass screenings. you got kids running around, caffeine running around in the body, and they're just amped up and blood pressure's up. So we usually will repeat that later on. And I can't emphasize enough. If you do mass screenings, make sure you bring every single blood pressure cuff you have in your office. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing more disheartening to get at a mass screening than they have one size cuff, <laughs> which means, I mean, we've got kids of all shapes and sizes. Right. Their blood pressures are not going to be accurate. And uh, it can be disheartening for a kid that probably needs to be cleared or could be cleared, but their blood pressure is not appropriate. But it's our fault for not having the right size cuff. Sure. Yeah. So if their blood pressure is 
systolics under one uh, under 160 and the diastolics un, uh, under 100, they can be clear. They just need to have follow-up. If it's above those numbers, above 160 systolic or above 100 diastolic, I would not clear them until they have that repeated and followed up accordingly. Well, and it's important to pick these things up, not only for their participation in sports, but uh, for the rest of their life. I mean, to pick up a hypertensive uh, young student, uh, that uh, that needs further evaluation for other reasons, not just their sports. Absolutely. Again, the whole goal is to maximize their health, uh, uh, maximize the health of the athlete and safe participation. Are there some conditions that would eliminate any of them from participating in, in uh, most of the vigorous type sports? We do have to be careful with certain uh, diseases. So certain heart conditions may uh, disqualify. Uh, they have the Bethesda guidelines. I think it's the 36 uh, guidelines now uh, to look towards blood disorders such as uh, sickle cell disease. Mm-hmm. Historically, will prevent athletes from doing any kind of vigorous exercise. Sickle cell trait is one that you have to be cautious with. So if they're exercising at altitude or a sport where there can be dehydration, uh, they are at a little higher risk for uh, uh, sickle cell crisis. Mm -hmm. So that has been uh, known to occur with patients that have trait, not disease. So just something to be aware of. Um, uh, Seizure disorders, there are certain sports that might be a little more dangerous, obviously, uh, archery, swimming. You don't want someone to have a seizure. Right. Uh, in that setting. But if they're controlled, uh, those are things that it's, it's a good conversation with the athlete and the parents about the risks and the benefits of sport. Mm-hmm. And I imagine bleeding disorders, you know, von Willebrand's or uh, hemophilia, things like that may not be Correct. The best. Correct. So you're going to be careful with certain contact sports sure. as opposed to playing ping pong. Mm-hmm. You know, thumbs up, go for it. Yep. Well, how often do these evaluations result in additional tests, blood tests, ECGs, imaging studies? Does that happen very often? It can, and again, anywhere from 3% to 13% is what the studies show require for the evaluation. Some of the advantages when you do a mass screening, we tend to have specialists there, so they can do an EKG, sometimes even echocardiogram right there on site if it's set up correctly, and that saves the the athlete from having to go uh, elsewhere or the time involved. To get cleared, uh, anything that you know, a urinalysis again not needed very often. Uh, the EKG use for screening, plenty of debate about that here in the U.S. Again, it's not recommended as part of the uh, pre-participation exam, but there are many uh, places in school districts that will do it. Um, so, uh, really, it depends on the symptoms and your physical exam to drive that next step. Uh, this is a pre-participation sports exam, not your general health exam. And we have to remember they can't be, uh, they're, they're not one and the same. There's certainly much overlap, but the sports exam should not uh, uh, replace your general health exams that you have with your primary care physician. Sure. And vice versa. If someone had a physical and then they bring in the pre-participation exam and just want the doctor to sign that, there's a lot of those screening questions that may not have been asked in the general health exam. So we have to be cautious to just about filling out the sports physical just because they had a regular physical sure. done recently. Yep. All right. Do you do any specific testing in a student who comes in with a history of substance abuse? I do not in this 
setting. However, if they're in the office, that's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. So when they're coming basically to have the form filled out so they can participate in school, that is one thing. If those issues come up, it is certainly addressed uh, accordingly. And uh, close follow-up is, is obviously recommended, and that certainly includes screening mm-hmm. and testing. Any resources that you're aware of that uh, might help our listeners uh, with a pre-participation sports exam? From a timing standpoint, that is great because the pre-participation physical exam monograph just released their fifth edition earlier this year. So this is kind of the Bible uh, pre-participation exams that uh, multiple groups have put together and have updated. So... This covers physical exam, eligibility, system-based examinations, and a bunch of different uh, problems that can occur. It reviews some of the return-to-play guidelines. It addresses some of the medical, legal, and ethical concerns that may come up. The new things for the fifth edition are there's a new chapter on transgender athletes uh, and female athletes, uh, another new section on mental health. So there are some new additions to the fifth monograph. Uh, when we compare it to number four as well, there's some of the screening questions that are on there that hopefully will become more standardized across the nation. If you look at all the different states, they've all probably used the monographs over the years, but it may be the third monograph or the second monograph. Uh, so hopefully all will catch up. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll get something from an electronic standpoint that we can put in EMRs to make this a little easier as well. Yeah, that would be uh, But nice. at least we now have a guideline uh, that we can look back with with this fifth monogram. So, Dan, how would you summarize the benefits of the uh, pre-participation sports exam? Well, the benefits are are multiple, but again, the goal is safe participation uh, and not to exclude athletes. We want everyone to participate. Exercise is medicine. Many benefits from exercise that we want all student athletes uh, to participate in. Uh, Understand the history alone can uncover 88% of medical problems and up to two-thirds of musculoskeletal conditions. So it's imperative to do the history and the physical uh, appropriately. We can pick up life-threatening and disabling conditions, which we may not have otherwise done if they weren't forced to go through this screening uh, to play at school. Uh, It's a perfect time to foster injury prevention and counsel them on any other health-related issues. It's not uncommon the kid will ask, hey, what do I do about my acne or, you know, getting bullied in school sometimes because they, they may not see a physician that often. So, uh, and, and really, most importantly, it's the potential for a long-lasting relationship uh, with a healthcare provider. So, uh, like I said, sometimes uh, these kids don't see a doctor very often because generally they're healthy. Mm-hmm. This is their one time to, to ask questions or for things to be discovered. We've been discussing the pre-participation sports physical exam for young athletes with Dr. Daniel Montero a sports medicine specialist at Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. Dan, thank you for sharing this information with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week.